You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hey, Life Tree family, Pastor Dan here with another edition of uh, Sunday at Home. Uh, unexpected this weekend. We expect it to be in person, but uh, you know, 2020 just keeps on showing up, and uh, everybody's okay at the moment. Uh, we just want to take some precautions. We had some of our staff members. Uh, that potentially uh, third, second, third degree, you know, uh, contact tracing, things like that may have been exposed to COVID. And just in the interest of public safety, felt like it was the best thing to do just in case to make sure uh, everybody got tested and we didn't have time to do that before our service. So instead, we're, uh, we're doing it this way. So appreciate everybody's flexibility and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get back together uh, sooner than later. So looking forward to that as well. Um, but uh, I, I should have I should have expected today. I should have expected this to happen this weekend based on what I'm about to share with you. It's just one of those things. Anytime, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and I should know by now that when, when I'm going to preach on something, inevitably that gets tested. That gets just checked and put to, put to the test. And uh, so I'm just going to let you know right now, um, buckle up this week. Uh, it's, it's a good message. I feel like God's got something to say to us, but... It never seems to fail that when I, I share on something, that particular thing uh, just just gets that button pushed. And so you'll see what I mean as we as we get into the message this week. I'm going to start with a story. Uh, many years ago, uh, I've been on lots of missions trips through the years, but many years ago I was on a missions trip, and uh, we were doing physical labor, lots of work, things like that, and had taken a lunch break. And during our lunch break, we were sitting in a room and around a table just eating sandwiches, things like that. And I mean, we were tired, we were hot. Uh, I don't know, it was the fourth or fifth day that we had been doing work. And, um, and it just, you know, you, you start to get thin, you know, your, your, your patience, all that kind of stuff. And someone who I don't know very well was sitting across the table. And I don't even know what happened. Something happened, I don't know if it was mayonnaise or mustard or something. They, they squirt something and it, and it got all over me. And I was just like, it wasn't terrible, but it was enough. And I, I, I said something, I was like, oh man, or something like that. I can't remember what I said, but I reacted. And, uh, and they replied with the phrase, they just said back to me, again, somebody I don't know that well, they said, you're such a whiner. Um, you complain too much. Uh, and I can tell you that in the moment... Um, I did not take it well. I did not take it well at all. Um, I just, I don't know, it, it, it bugged me. And uh, listen, it's been years. And clearly, I've, I've gotten over it. <laughs> not gotten over it. I'm still talking about it. Uh, and I just thought to myself, why does it bother me so much? Why, why, did that, why did that bug me, you know, so bad that somebody called me a whiner and a complainer? Um, I've never thought of myself as a whiner, uh, a complainer. You know, I've done a lot of dirty jobs. I've I dealt with my fair share of hardship. I, I, I'm entitled to, you know, verbalize that once in a while, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't consider myself a whiner. Um, the problem is that since that moment, I mean, it's been a long time, years and years and years. Since that moment, every time I hear a complaint come out of my mouth, I think back to that moment. And I just think, oh, I'm, I'm not, you know, self-denial. I'm not a complainer, but I can hear it coming out. And I, it's it, without fail to that to this day. I still hear that conversation in my head whenever a complaint comes out. Um, you know, I think we can all agree that complaining is way too easy. Um, and nobody wants to be called a whiner. None of us are whiners, right? But, but complaining is just its way too easy. We probably do it far more than we realize. Um, 
and this year in particular, opportunities to complain abound. They are all over the place. We can complain about masks. We can complain about uh, protocols. We can complain about the fact that we are not in person this weekend because of this and this and that. And I mean, there we can complain about school. We can complain about work. We can complain about all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, we, we genuinely have limitless and endless legitimate causes to complain. I'd say that 75% of what occupies the dialogue on social media is just straight up complaining and whining. The, the majority of what we hear is complaining and whining. And the other 25% of what's going on online is, uh, is, is simply arguing. That's it. So it's complaining and arguing. It's either complaining or arguing. Um, now, I know none of you argue, I'm sure. Uh, you, you debate. You discuss. Um, none of you would be described as argumentative, uh, I'm sure. Uh, we, if you had a chance to watch this uh, most recent presidential debate, um, truthfully, I did not watch it all. I didn't need to see very much. Uh, but again, it continues to not be productive conversation. It's essentially one long argument. Um, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're constantly just arguing with each other. And it's interesting because both complaining and arguing have, have something in common. Um, uh, they're contagious. They're contagious. The more we're around people who complain, we're prone to complain. And it just sort of, it, it seeps into us. It, it just spills over. It's contagious. You hear somebody else complaining, oh, yeah, yeah, that is, you know, you just begin to pick up. It's a habit. It's a habit, and it, it oozes, and we, we, it's, it's contagious. The same with arguing. Uh, rarely do people just randomly start arguing. It's usually a culture of arguing that they've grown up in or are around, and, and it just builds. And so we just become argumentative because that's how people around us talk. We pick it up. Uh, there's a whole lot of cranky, whiny, grumpy people in the world, and many of them live in New Jersey. <laughs> We're surrounded by people who, uh, who argue and who complain an awful lot. And the past few weeks, we've been exploring a letter that Paul wrote to the church, uh, the Philippian church. Um, and we're exploring Weville, this, uh, this, this idea, this concept. It's not a place, but it's a choice. Um, and, and what it means to live differently than the world around us. That's what we're exploring. Um, and I just want to ask the question, what if the, the very fact that we're constantly surrounded by complaining and arguing is actually a golden opportunity for us as the church to shine? What if this, in the midst of complaining and arguing, this is, this is actually a, a moment for us? Um, so in, again, we're going to get right to the scripture and take a look at this. And in the context, Paul is writing again to people he loves. He's not dealing with any issue. He's not ready to correct them or anything like that. He's just saying, hey, thanks so much for helping me out. You guys have been great uh, to me, to good to me. He's just thanking this church, these people that he loves. And he just throws in some pastoral wisdom, some advice to them, some things that he just says, hey, here's just some instruction for how to continue to live this Christian life in the midst of a world full of, full of conflict. I'll pick it up in chapter 2, verse 12. And Paul says this. He says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And here comes the, the, the hammer. Verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. See, Paul's encouraging them here. 
and it's such a it's such a powerful. I mean, we, we could we could preach on this for a very long time. Um, we could talk about this for a long time. But he says God is simply giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So he starts off to say, "Listen, just want to remind you, everybody. God's giving you the desire, the want to, and the power, the can do." Right? He wants to give you the desire and the power to do things that please him. And the things that please God, you know, it's not just like, hey, this is what God wants. It's irrelevant for everybody else. The things that please God are the things that are good for everyone. That's what he's saying here. He says, God is giving you the desire to do what's good for everyone and the power to do what's good for everyone. And, and the reason that's important is because that we don't always want to do what's good for everyone. Sometimes we just want to do what's good for us. And we don't always feel like we have the power to do what's good for everyone. We barely have enough power to do what's good for ourselves. And, and, and he says here, the solution is don't forget, never forget that God is working in you constantly. He's always at work in you, changing your wants, your desires, changing your power, empowering you, strengthening you. This is what God is doing in your life. And it transforms what we want from what is best for me to what is best for us. And he transforms what we can do from what is humanly possible to what is divinely possible, which is really important here. And the reason this is important is because Paul just says, hey, very simply, I mean, this is so practical, but it's so humanly impossible. He says, do everything without complaining. Everything without complaining. And uh, that means like never complain, like ever, um, not at all. Refuse to let it ever come out of your mouth, even for a moment. No complaining, period. End of story, done. Don't do it. Um, we complain often. We complain when we don't like the, th the way things are. We verbalize our displeasure. It's a low grumbling, a muttering. Um, it's this, it just oozes out of us. And, and the thing is, it's so dangerous because um, complaining is so natural and so common that sometimes when we read scripture verses like this that say do everything without complaining we justify we hear it differently in our heads we don't hear it do it never we just hear you shouldn't but if you do whatever but you shouldn't do it and that's that's not what he's saying here he's saying never complain and in our heads we're saying well I mean isn't that just hyperbole isn't he just I mean what's the big deal how harmful I mean is that even possible how harmful could this really be I mean we're just like complaining I mean not killing somebody we're just complaining we're just whining and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not ideal, but, I mean, what's the big deal? And, and I just want to break this down, the idea of complaining, just for a little bit. Just let's go with me for a minute here. We can complain about anything, about absolutely anything. There is nothing that someone can't find fault with. I don't like the food. It's too hot out. Uh, this is taking too long. Uh, she's annoying. He makes me nuts. Uh, complaining? We just we can we can find fault with just about anything. If if I mean you you name it, anybody that tries to do something good, we see it all the time. You try and do something good, and inevitably somebody will find something to criticize, to complain about, to whine. It's just impossible. For it's just it's just everywhere. We can complain about anything. And, and the problem with it is that complaining solves nothing, absolutely nothing. It solely criticizes what is and offers no solutions. Complaining never, it never offers a solution. There's no solutions in it. It's just, hey, this is what I don't like. Just bleh, throw it out there. Bleh, I don't like it. The, the, the other side of this is that we can find good in anything. We can absolutely find good. We get to choose. 
Listen, I may not like the food, right, that I've been served, but I have food. I can be grateful for that. Listen, I might not like food, but there are people that have nothing, right? I can, I can complain about the food. Everybody could. You can complain about everything. It's too salty, too sweet, too hot, too cold, uh, you know, whatever it is. You know, you don't, you don't like it. It's too spicy. I, you have food. We, we can choose to complain or we can choose to be grateful, right? It may be taking a while for my Amazon delivery, and we can complain about that. Or I can be grateful that I have the resources to buy things on Amazon. I have an Amazon account. I have a computer. I have a device that gives me access to Amazon. There's a company around here that's going to ship things to me as soon as I buy them. Like, yes, it's delayed. Oh, man, I'm complaining because I had to wait two weeks instead of a day. I'm com- we have the resources to buy things. You can complain about anything or you can be grateful for anything. Right? She may be annoying. Somebody may be absolutely the most irritating person to you. But guess what? You're alive and you can have relationships. And that's a daughter of God. And that's an opportunity for you to see God's love, to know God's love, to understand God's love. I probably annoy people who put up with me. I know I do. See, we can find the good in anything or we can criticize anything. We can, we can complain about it. And we choose. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, that a good per- person... A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. That what you say flows from what is in your heart. We, we've said this verse over and over again through the years here at Life Tree, And what we choose to focus on, what we choose to you know, dwell on, it comes out in our words. Complain. When we complain, it's coming from somewhere. When we choose to acknowledge good, it's coming from somewhere. Wherever, whatever comes out is only indicative. It's fruit that's... That's identifying the root. It's, it's always got a source inside. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Uh, complaining is simply an overflow. It's like a volcano. Uh, when it can no longer contain the pressure inside, the magma uh, building, bubbling up, it starts to grumble. It starts to release pressure. And it's followed by these eruptions of lava and ash, which burn up whatever it touches and leaves residue for miles around. When Anne and I got engaged, we were in Costa Rica at uh, literally at a volcano at, at, at Arenal is the name of the volcano there in Costa Rica. And let me tell you, I, I've never heard a sound like the sound. It's a semi-active volcano. And there, was, there were moments throughout our time there where it would begin to just, it sounded like deep in the earth, it was just grumbling, almost a roar, but guttural. I mean, lions have nothing on the depth of this sound. It's, it's, it was, it's, it's impossible for me to put into words the depth of that groaning that I heard the earth, the sound that that earth made. And as you'd hear that sound, then you'd look up and you'd look up to the top of the mountain. And what would before was just, just nothing there. You'd begin to see smoke just start to come out and then it started to grow. And then we actually saw lava coming down the sides slowly. It wasn't like exploding, but it was slowly oozing out of the sides. And it just, I mean, you'd see like just lines of fire down the sides of the of the mountain there. Complaining reveals what's oozing out of us, what we choose to dwell, and it comes out like a grumbling. Like you start to hear the sound, it's a moaning, a grunt. See, because what comes out of us is what's inside of us. It absolutely, you cannot escape it. What comes out is what's inside. And to add to this, complaint is a burden to others. Because what you're doing is you're passing on to them the weight of your pain. See, because here's the thing with complaining, right? We verbalize it. Other people hear it. They can, they can hear us. And it's an outward action. So when I complain, what I'm doing is I'm looking to someone else. I don't complain to the air. I mean, some of you do. Some of you just, 
right? Sometimes we sit at home and we're like, oh man, we do it to nobody. But that's that's just you know, us releasing what's going on. But there are times when we complain to someone else, when we complain to them, when we verbalize to them, we are looking to them to develop a solution for our pain. We're placing on them the weight of our problems. We're saying, hey, I have no solution for the unpleasantness that I am choosing to focus on. And so I will tell you in the hope that you will hear and receive my pain and be compelled to fix it. See, because complaining has no solutions. It has no solutions whatsoever. And so when we complain, right, we are just, just erupting onto someone else and saying, hey, here's my problem. Maybe you'll do something about it. Complaining exposes a pessimistic heart. It disregards the good in life. And it weighs down everyone around us. See, later in this letter, Paul's going to write to the people and say this, hey, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And what he's saying is, listen, you need to just stop complaining. Complaining isn't, it's not innocent. It's, it's not, you know, some small thing. It's significant because it reveals a heart that is choosing to see that what's bad over what's good. Complaining is the inevitable outcome of a heart that refuses to see what's good. And he says also, do everything without arguing. Not just don't complain, but don't argue. Again, so common. Everybody argues. Everybody argues. What's so bad about it? We need to clarify here too. We're not talking about dialogue or debate or any healthy form of conversation or discussion. It's not like, hey, you know, we're just talking. We're trying to get to, you know, we... Because there's an element where people say, you know, we need to argue. We need to talk and work out conflict. We need to work things out. And that's not what this is talking about. He's not saying, hey, you know, check your brain at the door and just just accept everything willy-nilly. That's not what we're talking here. This is a, a unique conversational dynamic known as argument. An argument has one person, one purpose and one purpose only, and it's this, to win. That's the only purpose of argument. At its root, arguing is hostile and it's malicious. Too often we claim to be discussing, and we're just talking, we're just conversing when we're actually arguing. It has nothing to do with tone, because you can argue quietly. You can argue respectfully. Arguing can be the epitome of passive-aggressive behavior. It has everything to do with it intent, but at its root, it is still, at its root, it's still aggressive. Here's how you can tell if you're arguing, if you're not sure if this is arguing or not. If you have no intention of considering somebody else's viewpoint, you're arguing. If you just don't have any intention of listening to them or you're not even willing to consider that they might be right, you're arguing. If you are convinced that you are right, you are arguing. If you are continuously thinking of ways that you can change somebody else's mind, you're arguing. If you're keeping track of all the things that they're saying that you disagree with and developing, a okay, you're arguing. If you feel attacked when they disagree with you, if you think if you take it personally, okay, you're arguing. You're arguing. Arguing is one of the lowest forms of communication, and actually, it barely qualifies as communication at all. That's why you can have two people arguing simultaneously because they're not listening to each other at all. The only goal of arguing is to batter your opponent to win, to defeat them, to push them down. It's completely unproductive and it's a waste of the breath that God has given us. When we argue, and here's where it starts to get really vicious, when we argue, we are communicating from the outset to the other person that we care more about being right than we do about the relationship. 
Again, the goal is to win. It reveals an utter disregard for them and disrespect for them as people. Arguing has one direction, forward, only forward. There's no sense of, of receiving. It seeks to assert one will on another, regardless of whether they receive or not. At the end of the day, arguing is violence. Arguing is violence. And some people love arguing. They absolutely love arguing. It makes them feel powerful. They, there's this sense of, I've won an argument. I did it. I defeated them. I was smart enough. I got my skills and I beat them. This is going to sound strong and I apologize, but hey, hopefully you receive it in a spirit of love. Winning arguments are fraudulent expressions of power. You have gained nothing when you win an argument. And the person that you have defeated are no better for it. See, it's akin to the power and the dynamics of an abuser. It's self-serving power and there is no love in it. When you argue, the goal is for you to win and them to lose. That's abuse. It's manipulation. It's violence. The scriptures are filled with warnings against arguing. This is not my words. This is not my thoughts. They're all over the scriptures. You can read throughout Proverbs over and over again. We read this in Proverbs 17. It says, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. See, when you, when, when you argue, it's destructive. Like a flood, it just does damage. 26, Proverbs says, A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Again, arguing only inflames a situation. It never soothes it. Proverbs 18, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. And again, in 19, a quarrelsome individual is as annoying as constant dripping. See, arguing separates people. It never unites them. So it only inflames. It never soothes. And it separates, never unites. Arguing is completely fruitless. It is only harmful. The greatest power we've been given is the power to love. And when you argue, when you seek to win at the expense of someone else, when you argue, you set aside your power to love for a false power that harms. And the, the Apostle Paul implores us here, stop it. Do everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing. And they are common in our world. They are absolutely common. Complaining is everywhere. Arguing is everywhere. We are saturated with it in our world. But they have no place in our lives. We are called to live different in Weville. We are called, Jesus says, among you it will be different. We may not feel like that's possible. I mean, we may not even want some of, we just want, we like to complain. Maybe it feels, you know, like release to us. Or we like to argue because it's, it's thrilling for us and it feels like power. And the good news is that God is at work in us, giving us both the desire and the power to do what he's asking us to do here. So here's my challenge for us this week. Can we covenant together that we will do our best, it's really practical, not to complain for one week? That's my challenge to you. No complaining one week. Combat complaining with gratitude. Every time, whenever you're tempted to complain, choose to find the good in a situation. If you hear the words coming out of your mouth, 
uh, you know, just ah, oh, this is terrible. Oh, I can't stand. It. And you can you can just hear the grumbling. You just feel it coming up from here. Choose. Say say, Lord, help me now. Help me now. Redeem my words. Help me to find something to be grateful for in this moment. Help me to find the good here, and invite God to continue His work in us. It's so basic, but it's so important to do this. And also, can we agree? Again, one more thing to not argue for the next week. This is the week leading up to the election. Not that who knows how the election day will go and it's a different year. We don't know exactly if we'll get a result that day or how this is going to look or any of that. But I'm going to ask you for the next week. When people attempt to engage you in an argument, simply refuse. Do not argue. And I do not mean by this to... to um, to be silent, to abdicate power, to not engage in conversation, to things like that. But this is guarding against going into a conversation with the intent to win. To learn, sure. To listen, absolutely. To understand, be my guest. Go for it. But if your intent going into a conversation is to win, to convince, to coerce, to manipulate, to defeat, don't do it. Stop. Stop. Our motivation isn't to prove that we are right, but it's to reveal Jesus. It's always to reveal Jesus. Ravi Zacharias said this uh, years ago. He says, we are not just answering a question. We are answering a questioner. He says, in the process of giving an answer, you've got to gradually put your arm around the questioner, so to speak. And he says, there's no point in winning an argument while losing the questioner. Never forget People accuse Jesus of not saying enough to condemn sinners. That he didn't argue enough. And somehow, sinners found their way to the truth by the way Jesus treated them. Jesus has not sent us on this earth to win arguments. He has sent us to win people. He didn't argue with people to prove that he was right. He walked with people to prove that they were loved. If we win the argument and lose the relationship... Very simply, we have failed. Let's do everything we can in the next week to do everything without complaining and arguing. It's basic, but it's so important. And here's why it's so important. How does that verse conclude? It says this, says, the world is full of people who complain and argue. And we're called to be different. He says, you, you must shine like bright lights in a dark world. In a world that is full of of crooked and perverse people who are constantly arguing, complaining, always focused on self. It says, listen, when you avoid complaining, when you avoid arguing, listen, it's not going to solve all the world's problems by just stopping complaining and stopping arguing. It's not going to solve everything. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you shine with the glory of God. That's going to stand out. It's going to look different. People are going to notice when you stop arguing and complaining. They're going to feel different around you. They're going to recognize something unique and different about you. It's unusual. Bright lights stand out in dark places. The decision, your decision to see good instead of to complain will shine. Your decision to value relationships over rightness is going to shine. People are going to feel different. They're going to say things like, I know you disagree with me on this, but listen, how you're treating me, I appreciate that. Uh, you're, you're respecting me. See, because that's what Jesus did. He didn't validate. He didn't, he didn't con condone sinful behavior. But he didn't need to argue people into submission. He loved them into change. So as we close, I want to pray with you. And then I want to pray 
I want to pray for you first, and then I want to pray with you. So would you, would you just pray with me today? Heavenly Father, first I just want to pray for everybody here who is listening to this. Lord, if we, there are so many of us that are surrounded by complaining and by arguing. And we feel so caught up in this culture, so caught up in the tidal wave of, of negativity in the world around us. And I pray right now, if, if, you're, if this is you, would you just receive this right now? If you need to see the good, if you struggle to see the good, if it's so easy to see the, the, the bad, but you struggle to see the good, I want to pray for you right now. God, I ask right now for everyone who is struggling to see the good, would you, just, would you be at work right now in their life? God, would you bring good to them right now? Would you open their eyes to see, lift their eyes, get their eyes off of the, the garbage around us and let them see the good? Lord, Lord, change what comes out of us. Change the language. Change our heart so that we can dwell on the good and that it will come out, guard us from complaining. And if you struggle with arguing today, I want to pray for you. If, if, if you are surrounded in an argumentative, maybe family, in an argumentative environment, and, and you right now just say, I want... I want to be able to see the people behind the issue. If that's you right now, God, I just want to pray for, for, for my brothers and sisters right now that are listening. If there are those that are struggling because they don't know another way or they struggle to argue because they're constantly feeling attacked or, or these ways, Lord, God, would you help them to see the people and not just the issues? Help them to see the people the way you see them, to recognize that truth always wins, Lord, and that we can trust you, Lord, we can stand and to learn how to have productive conversation without without the need to win or to beat in others into submission. Lord, help us to be people who, who speak gently, who speak truth with gentleness, with compassion, with care, with kindness. Lord, I pray for everybody out there. Lord, if that you would continue to be at work giving us the desire and the power to do what's good for everyone. Lord, would you do that in our lives? And now we're going to post this prayer right now. I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. Would you all just, right where you are, would you pray this out loud with us? God, help us do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize us. May we live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of darkness and hostility. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to uh, Download that last prayer there. As a, it'll be an iPhone wallpaper, we'll have it, or, or a Google, whatever, Android, whatever you got, whatever kind of phone. You can download it, put it on your phone. And this week, look at that. And let it be a reminder all week long. Pray that once a day, multiple times if you need to. But let's make a commitment together. No complaining, no arguing. Let's shine like bright lights in a world that desperately needs us to show them Jesus. Love you, church. Can't wait to see you again soon. God bless you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.